Now, this is a story from Norway called The Ash Lad and His Companions. Now, there was a king who lived in Norway, and he had heard tale of a ship that could travel just as well over the land as it could over the sea, and he wanted one. Well, whether there was ever such a thing or not, it may have just been a story, but the king wanted it, and if the king wanted it, the king must have it. And so a proclamation was read out from all the churches that said that the king would give his daughter and half his kingdom to anyone that could bring him a ship that could travel just as fast over the land as over the sea. Well, there was a poor couple who had three sons, and they were at the church one day when they heard this proclamation. And they went home and they told their sons about this, that the king was going to give his daughter's hand in marriage and half the kingdom to anyone that could make a ship that could travel as fast over the land as over the sea. Now these sons were called Pear, Paul, and Espen. But Espen was always just called Ashlad, because he just lay by the side of the fire raking in the ashes. Now Pear, the eldest, said that he would go to the forest and he would make a ship that could travel as fast over land as over sea. And he took an axe with him, and his mother, he asked for provisions, and she gave him a knapsack that was full of lovely food. And then he set off to the woods. Now on his way there he met an old man, wizened and feeble, walking along on a stick. And he said to to the, the lad, to Pear, What are you doing? Where are you going? Well, he didn't want to tell him the truth. He said, I'm going to the woods to make troughs. Uh, I'll make a trough for my father, because he doesn't like to eat with us, so I'm going to make him his own trough. Trough it is, then, said the old man. And what's in your knapsack? Now, Pear suspected that this old man was after some of his food, and he didn't want to give him any, so he said, Manure, that's all that's in the knapsack, just cow dung, used for fertilizing the land. Manure it is, said the old man, and he carried on his way. Well, when Pear went up to the woods, he started to chop the trees, and he started to shape them, and the only shape he could make was a trough. He tried and tried and tried again, and trough after trough after trough came up. He couldn't make anything other than troughs. So he got annoyed, and he got hungry. So he sat down, and he opened his knapsack to eat the lovely food inside it, but, oh, the smell! And when he looked in, it was full of manure. Well, he was so furious, he stormed off back home, threw the axe into the corner of the room, and wasn't happy. Now, the next day, Paul decided to try. So he asked his mother to provide him with provisions, and so she got a knapsack, and she filled it with food, and he set off on his way. And he met the same old wizened man by the side of the road, and the old man said, where are you going, and, and what, what are you up to? What are you doing? 
Well, he said, not wanting to tell the truth, I'm going to make some troughs for my father's piglets. Pig troughs it is, he said. And what's in your knapsack? Oh, manure, he said. Manure it is, said the old man, and then he carried on his way. Well, the same thing happened. No matter how much he chopped the wood down and shaped it, it all came out the shape of a pig trough. Pig trough after pig trough after pig trough. Now, he carried on for longer than his brother did, before he eventually became really annoyed and hungry. So he sat down, and he put his hand in his knapsack, and oof, manure. So he went home furious. Now, the next day, Espen, Ashlad, said, Mother, will you give me some provisions? I want to go and try to build a, a ship that can travel over the land and over the sea. No, she said. Well, I might be able to win the, the king's daughter and half the kingdom. <laughs> yeah, that'll be likely, she said. You that's never left the door of this house before. No, I will not waste any food on you. And he begged and he pleaded to be given some provisions, but she said no. So he took the axe, and he took a small bag, and he managed to take a couple of oat cakes and a little bit of stale beer as well, and he hid them in the bag, and he carried them out. On the road he met the old man, the same old wizened man, and the old man said, "'Where are you going, and what are you doing?' "'I'm going to the wood,' he said. "'I'm going to try to make a ship.' that can sail as fast over the land as it can over the sea. I see, said the old man. And what's in your in your bag there? Oh, it's not much, he said. It's just a little bit of food, but it isn't very much, I'm afraid. Well, I'm very hungry, said the old man. Would you share your food with me? Oh, gladly, said the ash lad. Oh, of course, and he split the food with him. He gave him one of the oat cakes, and he gave him half of the stale beer. Well, the old man smiled, and he said, That's good. You're a good lad. I'll tell you what, I'll come with you, and maybe I can help you. Well, if you want, he said, I'd, I'd be very happy of the company. So they went off to the woods, and the old man took him to an oak tree beautiful big old oak tree, and he said, Right, now just cut a chip from that oak tree, and then replace the chip back where you took it from, and then curl up and go to sleep. Well, Ashlad did as he was told. He took the axe and he cut a chip out of the tree, and then he put the chip back into the tree again, and he lay down and he went to sleep. Now, as he slept, he dreamed that he could hear the sound of banging and hammering and sawing going on and chopping. But he was sound asleep until the old man came and woke him up. And when he woke up, to his amazement, there was a beautiful long ship, a beautiful ship that could travel over the land and over the sea. And the old man said, There it is. Go to the king and ask for the daughter's princess's hand in marriage. But when you go, he said, 
make sure to take any traveller that you meet on the way who would like to go with you. So the Ashlad thanked him very much and agreed that he would do exactly as the old man said. And then he ordered the ship to move off. And you know something? The ship just sailed over the ground just like it was in a flat calm sea. On and on he went for quite a way, until he came to a long, thin, skinny knave who was lying by the side of the road, and he was eating rubble, eating rocks. And Ashlad said to him, What sort of a fellow are you? And what's the good of eating rocks? Well, said the skinny knave, I'm so hungry the whole time, I'm so hungry for meat, that I have to eat rocks in order to try to satisfy my hunger. Oh, that's a shame. But the skinny man says, Can I come along with you? Aye, sure, he says, yes, just climb in the boat. So the man climbed in the boat, taking a lot of rocks with him to eat on the way, and off they sailed. Now they came to a man who was lying on the ground, and he was sucking on a barrel tap. And Ashlad said, What sort of a fellow are you, and why are you lying on the ground sucking on, an, on a barrel tap? And the man said, Well, better a tap than a, if, you, if you have no barrel than nothing at all, he said. I am so thirsty, I am so thirsty for drinking, especially beer and wine, that I am always in a constant state of thirst, so I am sucking on this barrel tap because I have got nothing else to drink. Well, that's, uh, that's unusual, said the Arsh lad. Can I come along with you? asked the man. Yeah, sure, he said. Climb aboard the boat. So he climbed on, taking his barrel tap with him, and they sailed off along down the road. And after a while they met a man lying on the ground, and he had his ear to the ground listening. And the ash lad said, What sort of a fellow are you, and why? what's the good of lying on the ground with your ear to it listening like that? Well, said the man, my hearing is so sharp, I'm just listening to the grass growing. Well, that's something, said the ash lad. May I come along with you? Of course, said the ash lad, just climb in. So the man got up and climbed into the boat, and off they went. Well, after a while they came across a man who was standing there pointing a gun into the air. And the ash lad said to him, What sort of a fellow are you, and what's the good of just standing there pointing a gun in the air? Well, he said, My eyesight is so keen, and my shooting is so sharp, that I can see to the end of the world, and I could fire a shot off there if I wanted. Well, said the ash lad, That's something indeed. Can I come along with you? asked the man. "'Of course you can,' he said. "'Just climb in the boat,' said the ash lad. "'So in climbed the man with the gun, and off they went again. "'And then they came across a man who was hopping around on one foot, "'but his other leg 
had seven hundredweight weights tied to it. That's a, a big, heavy, heavy weight. One hundredweight is heavy, but seven of them. And Dashlad said, What sort of a fellow are you? And why are you hopping around there with seven hundredweights on your tied to your one leg? Well, I have to, the man said. I am so fleet of foot, I can run faster than lightning. And if I don't weight my leg down like this, then I will run to the end of the world in less than five minutes. Well, that's quite something. Can I come along with you? asked the man. Yes, of course, said Ashled, just climbing. So the man scooped up all these weights, and he climbed into the ship, and off they sailed across the land, down the road until they came to a man who was standing there with his hand over his mouth. And the Ashland said to him, What sort of a fellow are you, and why are you standing there with your hand over your mouth? I've got dig, he said. Pardon, said the Ashland. I've got to do it. Oh, um, why? Well, said the man, a bit muffled, because he still had his hand over his mouth. I won't do that so you can hear it better. He said, I've got fifteen winters and seven summers inside my body, and if I don't keep my mouth covered, they'll all come out at once, and it'll be the end of the world. Oh, well, we don't want that, said the ash lad. Can I come along with you, he said. Yes, of course, climb in the ship. So he climbed in, and off they sailed down to the castle where the king lived, and they sailed right into the courtyard, and the ash lad got out, and he went up to the king, and he said, Your Majesty, I have done as you have asked. I have brought you a ship that can travel just as fast over the land as over the sea. Well, the king was shocked, because the ash lad was so grubby. He was all dirty and sooty. Well, the king didn't like the looks of him. He thought he was just a tramp, and he was just trying it on. But he went out to see the ship, and, oh, it was magnificent. What a beautiful ship. And then he took it for a little test drive around. It went around wherever he wanted. It went over the land. It went through the woods. It came back. It was just what he wanted. But then he looked at the ash lad again, all covered with soot and all grimy, and he thought, I'm not giving my daughter to this tramp. So he thought of some way to get out of it. And he said, well, I can't marry you to my daughter, because I have a storehouse here that has three hundred barrels full of meat in it, and I want to get that cleared out before I marry my daughter to anyone. If you can do it by this time tomorrow, then you can have her. Aye, okay, sure, said the Ashland. Can I take one of my companions to help me? You can take all six of them if you want, said the king, laughing to himself, thinking this is impossible. So they took him down to the storehouse, and the ash lad, and he had taken with him the man who ate rocks, and they locked the two of them inside. Now 
The man that ate rocks, when he saw the three hundred barrels of meat, he almost cried with joy, and in no time at all he'd eaten the lot. He'd left six small salted shoulders of mutton for the ash lad and his companions, but the rest of it he had eaten in a twinkle. Well, the next morning the guards came down, they unlocked the door, and up came the ash lad, and he went to the king, and he said, Well, I've the cellar is cleared, all the meat's gone. How's that possible, he said. Let me see, I don't believe you. So the king went down, but sure enough, there was absolutely no sign of any of the meat. Even the bones had been eaten by the, the thin, skinny knave. So he said, Well... Um, well, I'm, I, I can't marry my daughter to you yet, you see, because I have a lot of old beer and wine that I need to clear out first from my cellar, he said. I have three hundred barrels of beer and three hundred barrels of wine that need to be drunk up first. If you can do that by this time tomorrow, uh, then you can have my daughter. "'Can I take uh, one of my companions with me to help?' <laughs> "'You can take all six of them if you want,' said the king, "'thinking this is impossible. "'I don't know how he did this, but this is definitely impossible.' "'So the ash lad went, and he got the man that was sucking on the beer tap, "'on the barrel tap, and he said, "'I've got a job for you. I think you'll like it.' "'So they were taken off down into the king's cellar, "'and they were locked inside.' Well, the man who loved to drink the beer and the wine, he was just so happy, and he drank the three hundred barrels of beer in no time at all, and then he drank the three hundred barrels of wine as well. He left just a small amount that was just enough for the ash lad and his companions to get a glass each. And then the next morning, when the king came down, when they were unlocked, they went to see the king, and they said, Well, your majesty, all the beer and all the wine is drunk up, just as you wanted. Not possible, said the king. I don't believe you. Go and look. So the king went down, and sure enough, his cellar was empty. Ah, oh, well, what now? Now can I get your daughter? asked the ash lad. Well, the king looked at him again, and he's still covered with soot and smuts and grimy and all ragged, and he thinks, I can't marry my daughter to this tramp. So he says, Well, I have a, another task for you. I want you to go to the well that is at the end of the world and get a bucket of water to make a cup of tea for my daughter. And you've got to be there and back in ten minutes, said the king, congratulating himself on how clever he was at getting out of this bargain that he'd made, because there was no way that was possible. The ash lad said, Can I get one of my companions to help? <laughs> you can use all six if you want, said the king, thinking there is no way he's going to do this. And so he went to the man who could run faster than the wind, and he told him, Can you go to the, take a bucket, go to the well at the end of the world, and get a bucket of water, and bring it back here within ten minutes to make a cup of tea for the princess. Yes, no problem at all, he said, and he undid all the weights from his feet, 
and the king had one of his chamberlains down there, and he had a stopwatch to make sure that he was there and back within ten minutes. And the man set off, and he just vanished. He ran so quickly that he just disappeared in the blink of an eye. And within five minutes he was at the end of the world at the well. Now, the ash lad waited for him to come back, but he didn't come. And the time passed, and still he didn't come. And the ash lad started to worry. And when seven minutes had passed, he said to the man who could hear the grass grow, can you have a listen and see if you can find out what's taken him so long? So the man that could hear the grass grow lay down on the ground and he put his ear to the ground and he said, He's asleep. I can hear him snoring at the well at the end of the world. And there's a giant troll there as well. And he's combing his hair. He's put a spell on him and put him to sleep. Oh, no, said the ash lad, and he turned to the man who could see to the end of the world and who could shoot that far as well, and he said, Can you shoot the troll? No problem, he said. He aimed his gun, and he fired a shot, and it hit the troll right in the eye. The troll roared with pain, and the man who was to fetch the water woke up, and then realized that he'd fallen asleep, and he ran back so quickly that he was back there, and it was still only nine minutes had passed. So there was still a minute left before the king's deadline, and they made a nice cup of tea for the princess, using the water from the well at the end of the world. Well, the king was getting desperate now, and he was also getting mad. He looked at the ash lad, and there he was all filthy and covered with soot. And the ash lad said, Now can I get your daughter? Not yet. There's one more thing I want you to do, he said. I have got a huge quantity of wood, and I am wanting to dry my grain with it. It's in the barn, and I've built up a fire there, and I want you to sit by the fire all night and keep an eye on it. Make sure that all the wood is burnt up. Well, okay, said, can I take one of my companions with me? You can take the whole six of them, said the king, thinking this blaze is going to be so hot that you will be burnt to a cinder within seconds. <laughs> and if it burns all your friends too, then good. So they were brought down to this barn, and the door was locked, and it was barred, and the king even piled on big padlocks on it to make sure they couldn't get out. Well, there was a blaze going, and it was so hot that it could have melted iron. So the ash lad said to the man with, that had fifteen winters and seven summers in his body, he said, it's getting a bit hot in here. Do you think you could let out six or seven winters? so it would make it just feel like a nice warm summer's day. And the man with fifteen winters and seven summers in his body opened his mouth, and he let out six or seven winters. And it became lovely cool. So they sat there all night, and the wood was burning away, and by the end of it they were starting to feel a bit chilly. Could you let out a couple of summers? 
said the Ash lad, so that we could be a bit warmer. And so the man, with the winters and the summers in his body, he opened his mouth and he let out a couple of summers, and it was lovely and warm. So they sat there until the morning, when they could hear the guards coming to unlock the door. And the king was there with them as well. They could hear him puffing away as he was going panting away down the steps, because he was a big fat man. And he was chuckling away to himself an evil laugh, because he knew that there would be nothing left of these people but just ashes. So the ash lad said to the man with the fifteen winters and seven summers in his body, he says, Could you let out another couple of winters, do one now, and then when the king comes in, just let one go right in his face. Well, the man said, no problem. He let out a winter, and when they opened the door, instead of finding them lying there burnt to ashes, they were sitting, shivering away with their teeth chattering, because it was so cold. And then the man that had the fifteen winters and seven summers in his body, he let out the last winter, and it hit the king straight in the face, and it froze his head. Well, the king, once he'd been kind of revived again, realized that even though this man was all dirty and covered with ashes and soot, there was no way he could beat him. And so he, when the ash lad said, so now can I get your daughter's hand in marriage? Yes, he said, yes, you can have her hand in marriage, and my whole kingdom too. <laughs> And so the ash lad was taken into the palace. And you know what they did with him? They gave him a bath. They washed him. They put him in nice clothes. They cut his hair. And you know something? Under all that dirt and grime, he was a handsome young man. And when the princess saw him, she couldn't help but fall in love with him. And he fell in love with her too. And the pair of them were married. And they loved each other very much. Now, you see, the king couldn't see what was the ash lad, what he actually was. All he could see was the dirt on his skin. He couldn't see any deeper than that. But the princess, she was much wiser than her father.